Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So today is our last uh, message, uh, part of our Teach Us to Pray message series that we've been going through uh, the last four or five weeks, uh, where we have really been studying the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. If you guys want to open your Bibles there, there's actually several passages that we'll be kind of transporting to um, today uh, periodically, and I'll make sure I share them with you. But uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 is what we've been reading and discovering the principles that Jesus taught his disciples when they asked him about prayer and how to connect with God. And so, um, again, a reminder that the Lord's Prayer is not necessarily uh, designed to be a specific literal thing that you have to say when you pray, but it just, when you read it line by line, it really unpacks principles of prayer that are so important. And so uh, I want to go ahead and read it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This is the words of Jesus. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So our first week was it's all about God, right? Prayer is more about us than it is, or prayer is more about God than it is about us. It's about Him. And so when we start our prayer from the perspective of that we're talking to God and His will, it really shapes the way that we pray in general. And then our next week, week two, is our will versus God's will. And we discovered that we pray God's will because He has bigger plans for us than we do. And then week three was daily bread, right? And in that prayer, we learned that my needs are not my problem, is that when we struggle, when we don't have, we should not fret and worry. Instead, we need to go to the source, go to God and trust that He and His sovereignty will provide uh, for us. Last week, we talked about forgiveness, right? The line of a forgiveness. And forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. Forgiveness heals what hurt destroys. Well, today we're going to be exploring the final verse in the passage, the non-disputable, as Joe likes to say, (laughs) passage, uh, and dig into verse 13, right? Which says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Today we're talking about temptation, right? The idea of temptation, and it can really range from anything from, you know, eating pizza while you're on a diet to struggling with addiction, right? Temptation takes a lot of forms. Um, it's something that we all struggle with. No one is, is, uh, is, is exempt from temptation. Um, there is something inside of all of us that wants what we can't have or shouldn't have. That's just innate part of our, of our human nature. And so really it's a self-control issue, right? If most of us would say, I know what I shouldn't do or, you know, is not good for me and yet I still want it anyway. And the trouble is usually the control or the ability to say no. Uh, in a lot of ways, most of the time. Um, I want to be honest with you guys, and something uh, that I've come over the last couple of years, it's no secret to you guys that I love food. Uh, I have talked about this a lot, just a couple weeks ago actually, when we talked about our daily bread and how I think about food all the time and plan around food all the time. Um, But I have trouble saying no to food. Um, Even when I'm not hungry, 
or I have trouble just only having one of something. This has always been a struggle of mine. You can blame it on the fact that I grew up in an Italian home and the, and the answer is always eat, eat everything, right? Or whether it's from my grandmother who lived through the Great Depression and then instilled in her children that you eat everything on a plate because you don't want to waste it because you never know when you won't have, right? Um, that, that kind of lifestyle, and I'm not blaming other people because I just bought into it full bore, gave me the nickname of the trash compactor as a kid. Like that was who I was. Like, give it to Jared, he'll eat it. That was, that was it. Um, and so with that, all sorts of problems have come along. I've struggled with my weight over the years. And, um, and so food has, I've really come to realize the last few years that I have an addiction to food in that it controls me uh, to where when I'll go to people's houses for events and there's a snack tray out, I will find myself eating multiple plates of snack foods throughout the evening. And then when I'm done for the night, I feel gross and terrible. And I didn't even realize that I did it. It's almost like a trance-like state. That's, there's like, that's serious like issues, right? And so food to me has become uh, an area of my life that I have really identified as a, as a source of temptation uh, for me. And it bothers me and it frustrates me. And this is something that over the last year I've really worked on. Heather and I have really been working on trying to break our addiction to food particularly. Um, and so I know that this temptation in my life uh, is an apparent lack of self-control. I know that because I have found that when I can exert self-control over these areas, I have found the ability to get some freedom from that. And so the question that I want to ask today, and we're going to answer it a little bit later, is, is there an answer to this problem of temptation? We're going to come back to that in a few minutes. I want to uh, kind of take it a little bit wider. Have you ever heard the phrase, like, the devil made me do it? It's not really a phrase that we hear too often. Has anybody ever heard, like, the devil made me do it, right? Like, there's a, like this, this, it's not me, I just can't help myself. And the idea was, the devil made me do it. Or have you ever heard of the illustration of, like, there's an angel on your shoulder and a demon, like, an, and a devil on your shoulder, right? Like, in cartoons you see it, or the idea of, like, that these voices speaking into, right? Um, in truth, though, we know that that's the desire to do something that comes from inside of us that weighs heavier than the desire to do the right thing. That's really why we do the things we aren't supposed to do, that we shouldn't be doing. Because the desire to do something weighs heavier than our knowledge that it's not good. Um, it's our sinful nature that controls us. It's our sinful nature and our lack of self-control. And we could be tempted to struggle um, by many things. Here are some examples. Food, as I had mentioned. For others, it could be um, looking good all the time, either, either physically or, or the perspective of other people, making sure that you feel like, like, I have to make sure that people see me as if I have it all together. It could be uh, struggles with loneliness or popularity and like the, that kind of constant struggle. It could be temptations around money and, and the idea of greed and security and, and, and allowing that to be your source. It could be sex or pornography. Um, it could be power. It could be fear or insecurity or anger and, and violence. I mean, any number of areas of our lives are spaces in which that we can be tempted. As I had mentioned, temptation is often portrayed as the idea of like the angel and the devil whispering in our ear. And ironically, this is not really that far from the truth. It's pretty accurate because there are two voices that guide, that's seeking to guide us through life. The first is the Spirit of God, right? The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. 
right? The Holy Spirit is like that voice, that angel voice that's, that's constantly pushing us back to God, pulling us, convicting us, right? It's like um, it, the Bible talks about it in a lot of different ways, but the obviously idea is that the Spirit of God is pulling us to Him and to righteous living that would result in the fruit of the Spirit. But the other voice is the Spirit of man, which is, is influenced and controlled by, by Satan. The Bible teaches that, that the, the father of lies and his demons are constantly trying to pull us away, right? The sinful nature is constantly pulling us away from God and, and causing us into, to make decisions that are not good for us. So the question I'm asking today is, is are we powerless against temptation? Can we do something about it? How would we fight temptation? And what does Jesus teach us about temptation? Well, let's go into verse 13 of the Lord's Prayer a little bit deeper. So let's revisit it and we'll find some answers and then some other passages that I think are going to really enlighten us today. Matthew 6, verse 13, Jesus is saying, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Scholarly, there are three different potential kind of like interpretations of what this means, right? This, this first part. The first one would be, do not allow us to be led into temptation, right? So the prayer might go like this. God, guide me away from the temptation so I might not fall into it, right? So like preemptively keep me away from temptation. That's one potential way that you could read that, okay? Just like Heather preventing Everett from going. That is right. That would, Exactly. Um, that's from that perspective, it's the, it's the recognition of God's rightful leadership in our lives and asking him to navigate us around obvious pitfalls. Okay. I don't think that's wrong. Right. So that's one potential space. Do not allow us to be led into temptation. Okay. That's one way of, of talking about it. Another would be, but do not let us be overcome by temptation. Okay. So in other words, as I do face temptation, give me the strength to say no to that thing, right? So this is a recognition that temptation is just going to come, that, that it will happen either by my own choices or by the association of other people that I'm around, right? Um, and so what we're doing here is praying for strength and for self-control and moving beyond the emotion and the passion of the moment to say, God, give me the strength in it so that I'm overcome by it. So one way of saying lead us not into temptation is, is essentially help me to avoid the temptations before they come. The other is when they do come, help me to have the strength to face it. But then a third is do not let me be tested beyond what I can bear. In other words, God, give me the strength to stay faithful through this test and to learn what you're trying to teach me. That's another potential opportunity, the perspective of lessons, right? Being taught through those trials, <coughs> excuse me, asking that the weight of it would not crush us, that it would be bearable enough to see the lesson found within. So three different unique kind of aspects of how you could look at that particular passage. And all three of them take different perspectives, but really offer, I think, um, unique facets of the same jewel, right? The same idea, like lead us not into temptation can take different forms there. But all three of these interpretations convey, I think, the same idea. And that is this. This is our big idea of this message today is that temptations and trials are inevitable, but failure in them is not. Temptation and trials are inevitable, but failure 
is not. So, so we see the lead us not into temptation, right? Whether it's help us to be, to overcome them, help us to endure them, help us to see what you're doing through them, help us to avoid them whenever possible. But then it says, God's desire is to deliver us from evil. Okay, so we know that when temptations come, that, that because God's desire is to deliver us from evil, that's the second part of that verse, that, that failure is not inevitable. And so I want to I get into that a little bit. What does it mean to deliver us from evil? Well, here's some thoughts that I have. To keep us from experiencing the pain and the suffering that the consequences of sinful behavior brings. Right? So, so when you do something that you know isn't healthy or that you know is, is wrong, there are oftentimes consequences that come with that, the ripple effects, either in relationships or in your own personal life. And God wants to deliver us from that pain, from that suffering, by helping us to not give in to temptation. God will lead us through our temptations. He wants to give us the ability to avoid the consequences of poor decisions. We, we're asking him when we say, God, deliver us from evil. We're asking him for his leadership through areas of our temptation. And that provides us assurance that he is with us. Um, if we choose, however, to give in to our temptations, we will experience those consequences that they bring. That's just the natural rule, the law of how things operate. And so we're not talking about the accidents here, like or, or, or things of ignorance, right? We're talking about the things that we know are wrong and are aware of our struggles with them, which are the things that we ask for forgiveness for in verse 12, right? God, forgive me for these things that I've done, right? And then the next verse, it goes, but lead us not into the temptation so I don't repeat these things again, right? And so like, we can't ask God to forgive us of something. And then the next step be like, but that thing that I know I'm asking forgiveness for, I see it coming up again tomorrow. Let me do it anyway. Like, and then not get, and then get mad at God when we have the, like the consequences of those actions, right? Or the things of that nature. And so we actually see that in, in, uh, in Psalm 19, verse 13, when, when the psalmist writes, keep me, keep your servant from deliberate sins, right? The concept of like, that I know this is wrong and I'm doing it anyway. Keep me from those deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. And then I'll be free of guilt, he says, and innocent of great sin. Temptation and trials are inevitable. Failure is not. And James chapter one shows that temptation can actually have a negative or a positive purpose. I want to go through those real quickly and then we're going to get real practical and then we'll discuss those possible, two possible of, of, of purposes of, of temptation, right? James 1 talks about the temptation could have a negative or a positive purpose. One is enticement of sin. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15 says this, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. God has never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from where? our own desires, so it's inside of us, which entice us and it drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So one purpose of temptation is enticement to sin, right? We see that, like, the desires inside of us, when we, like, they grow and it gives birth, it becomes sin and it drags us away. But the other purpose of temptation is the strengthening of faith. And we see that also in James chapter 1, but in verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. We talked about this last month in James. For you know that when your faith is tested, what happens? Your endurance 
has a chance to grow. So the first part talked about sin growing, right? Your desires growing and giving birth into sin. In this case, it's talking about it being tested and endurance is what grows instead. So let it grow for your endurance is when it is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. So we have these two, two purposes, right? The negative purpose of enticing us towards sin or temptation can, can strengthen our faith. God's purposes are only the latter, whereas Satan's is only the former. That makes sense? Like, God is never going to use temptation, obviously, to push you towards something that's going to drag you away from him. But God may, will use temptation to help you strengthen your faith. Temptation and trials are inevitable, but failure is not. So I want to talk now and just finish up here about how to face temptation. And I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you guys want to open to that, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. I knew you were going to go there. Congratulations. <laughs> Not really sure what to say. <clears throat> yeah, so 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. We're going to learn about how we can face temptation. The temptations in your life, Paul says, are no different from what others experience. I mean, that list in the beginning, right? All the different things. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, when we face temptation, right? When it's coming, when it's in our face, what do we do? How can we face temptation? I want to combine all of the passages of Scripture that we have read today. Matthew 6.13 says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Number one in facing temptation is to rely on God first. Rely on God first. Whether it's, whether it's uh, asking God to take us around temptation, to take us through temptation, or to learn from temptation, when we spend time with God ahead of time, it will always prepare us for what is coming. I can't say this enough, guys, and I don't know who does and who does not spend time with God on a regular basis. This is not like, you know, Pastor Jared looking at people saying, I'm not saying that. But I will say that if it is not a part of your regular time in your, in your daily life, in a regular basis, if you're not actually, and I'm not just saying I read three chapters today. I mean like meditating on it a little bit and letting it soak and spending time talking to God and listening to Him. You will not be prepared for these types of things. It must be a discipline in our lives. And I don't say that from a place of like pushing guilt, but more of an exhortation, right? That we all need to get better at this, but that's something we need to do. When we spend time with God and internalizing his word, listening for his answers, for his prompting, for his guidance, we will be much better equipped to handle temptation or to see his perspective in the middle of trial, those kinds of things. Our first concept of lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil is relying on God first. That's always got to be answer number one. Number two, though, practically is to say no to your own desires. James 1, 13 to 15 talks about this idea of like sin growing, right? And enticing us. And it's, it says like, it wasn't God. I can't blame God. Like, God, why'd you let me like see that pretty woman walking down the street in like short shorts? Like that is not like God's fault. What it is that James says is it's my own desire inside of me that rises up and I have to say no, squish and get it down, right? Like that's what you have to do. So that's talking about the choices of the things that we intake, right? And again, this is going to be different for everyone. 
and at the risk of sounding like a like a um, like a, a broken record here, right? The the TV shows, the movies, the music, the people. There are choices that we have to make, and it's going to be different for each person in the room about the things you can watch or cannot watch, or the things that lead you into tempting spaces that you know are dangerous for you, right? So the choice is that, but then you have to create boundaries around them. I've talked about this before, you know, uh, as, a, as a man who, who has a particular struggle in the area of, of physical attraction for women, I have intentionally created blocks on my phone to keep me away from, from seeing websites that I just didn't have the strength to go to, to not go to on my own. That's a boundary I have set up in my own life. There's no shame in that. It's not, it's okay to say I'm weak in this area. What's, what's the shameful thing to do is to recognize a weakness and to not fortify it. And so that's the idea. Like if we know the temptation is there, we can't say, God, lead us away from temptation and not use the tools that God has given us, whether it's decisions or choices or even technologies or various like accountabilities that we can put into place to protect us. Say no to your own desires. I encourage you to get help in those areas, to get accountability and to teach yourself to develop self-control. And I can tell you, this is not like I've won this battle, but like it is much easier for me today to, to, to be able to, I've developed patterns and rhythms to be able to recognition, to see that the temptation's coming a mile away because of the things that I've put in place. And it allows me to be able to see it and make the choice before it's in my face and it's real strong over me. That's how it works. Say no to your own desires. Rely on God first. Say no to your own desires. Number three, try to find the silver lining. James chapter 1 Two to four talks about when you're in trial, sometimes it has nothing to do with your own doing. It might be. It might be a consequence of your own thing. But God is never just looking at you going, ha ha, God always wants to teach through it, regardless of whether or not it's something that you deserve, like a penalty, you know, or a consequence. Sometimes those are there because of your own actions. What? God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing me to go through this thing? I asked for mercy. I begged for forgiveness. Why am I still going through this thing. Sometimes God allows us to go through things because he wants to speak to us and give us a perspective that we weren't able to see, weren't willing to see, we refused to see, right? The idea here is what is it that you want to say to us, God? Find that silver lining. What is God trying to teach me in the middle of this? And right now, and this, this applies not just to temptation, but any kind of trial or story. That's what James is talking about, James 1, when you face trials of many kinds. Right now, we're talking about COVID. That's a big deal in our, in our country, in our city, and in, in this church right now, we're, how we all feel. And the temptation for me, and maybe for others, is to, is to allow that to really, what's the word, to allow it to, to really be the forefront of our minds and affect all of our thoughts and all of our decisions. And in not saying that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't give it its place. But what I'm trying to say here is that what is God saying to me about how I respond to these circumstances? Is the way that I feel about it and the way that I act and the way that I uh, continually move forward, is this what God has for me? And I recognize that that's a fine line. And I have been honest with you about my struggles as of lately with, with, like, with fatigue and, and struggling emotionally and those kinds of things. And I'm not saying that it goes away simply because you don't want to feel that way. But my choices about how I, how I behave, 
I can, I can say, who am I loyal to? Like we said in James chapter one, right? When we were reading through James, who is my loyalty? Am I going to be loyal to COVID and think of its, its uh, implications in my life and allow that to dictate to me? Or am I going to say, I recognize that I'm anxious. I recognize that I'm stressed, that I'm frustrated, that I'm depressed. And I choose to, even in the existence of what that is, and it may not change, God is still the one I will focus on. I will allow his word to speak into my life and allow the light to penetrate into the darkness. And even if it only brings the light to 10% and the 90% that I'm living in, like that's, I'm not, I'm going to not sit where I'm at. I think that's what I'm, what I'm, we're trying to get at here. What is the silver lining of this? What are you trying to say to me, God? What can you speak to me? What are you calling me to even in my struggle or my temptation? God is always interested in growth. He's never going to let us just sit there and wallow in our own temptation, our own sin, our own self-pity. The imagery is always, he lifted me up. He always pulled me out of, David said, the miry pit, like the nasty, muddy, gross pit. Like if you're feeling like you're sitting in that, and I do sometimes, like he doesn't just go, well, when you're ready to get out, let me know. He's, he's always reaching to pull us out, but we have to choose to know that he wants to do that and that there are steps to that. So, number three was, number one was rely on God first to face temptation. Say no to your desires that you know are not healthy. Find the silver lining when you're in it. And lastly, look for the way out. Look for the way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13 promises it. There is always a way out. He will show you a way out. He will not allow it to destroy you. If this is something like COVID right now, will not destroy you. This is not like if the promise is, is that, that he will never put something in your path. He will never allow something to destroy you. He will always provide a way out, but we must seek him through it. Again, God, where are you? How can, what is the answer? I can't see. I'm overwhelmed by, by, by this weight of everything, whether it's, whether it's the anxiety and the stress or whether it's just your own sin, or whether it's just a temptation. God, I, I want to do this thing, or I've gotten myself into trouble, whatever it might be. God, what is the way out through this thing? And your choices matter. Your choices matter in those moments. You know, like if I know that I struggle with pornography, and like then, then I know that I have to, to, that when I see it coming, I have to make choices to say, I'm not going to put myself in those positions to do that. If my wife's out of town or, or whatever, like I have to hang out with my friends or I got to pick up the phone or whatever it might be. And those are the hardest things to do when you're tempted. Anybody else feel that way? Like that's the hardest. And when you know you're, you struggle with something and you can see yourself sliding into that space and you know what you should do. I should probably go hang out with a friend or I should probably stop watching this movie or I should, you know, maybe not read this book or, you know, I need to turn the lights on in the house or whatever it might be, right? What do we often do? We just continue doing the same thing and slide further into it. Our choices in those moments matter. And God will often do that. How many times have I been, like, have you been on the way to hang out with a friend? I mean, I'm just thinking just in my mind, like going to like to a girlfriend's house or a boyfriend's house and you know what's going to happen when you get there, like physically, you know, like intimately. And then like a phone call happens or, or you'll be like on the way and there's like a stoplight or something like that. And it's very clear. I could just go home right now because it kind of created a break in your mindset in that moment. But then instead you're like, no, I think I'll go the long way, <laughs> you know, to like get to the place that you were really trying to go to. That's a choice, 
right? That's a choice between the voice of man, the spirit of man on your shoulder, and the Holy Spirit saying, I'm bringing things in your path to get you to the place of safety. Are you going to choose the way that I've given you? We have to look for the way out. Can I share an example of that? You may. So one day I was going through a really <laughs> bad time, and I was on the way to a gun store for <coughs> suicide. Wow. And, and God blocked my path by having a train stopped on the road, not moving anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Praise I've God. I've never seen that happen. I've always like, you know, wait for the train. Right. Like a minute. But no, this train was just stopped there, parked, blocking the road. And wow. Like, okay, let's not go to the gun store. Yeah. Let's go to right. CV Nick's house. That's awesome. What a cool story. Um, So I want to close with this. Temptation and trials are inevitable, but failure is not. Temptation and trials are inevitable, but failure is not. To face temptation, we have to rely on God first, say no to our desires, find the silver lining from inside when we are in it and can't get out and look for the way out. We can overcome. We can make it through. We can move beyond our struggles, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Temptation and trials are inevitable, but failure is not. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, teaching us to pray. Um, God, I just, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start from the beginning and know that we have to come to you first. We have to be in your presence. I have found that, and I hope other people can recognize the same, that when I've spent time with you, I am much better equipped. I'm stronger I have more discipline. I've got more confidence. Um, when temptation comes, I feel tempted less, but when it does come, I feel more equipped to overcome it and to readily take the right choices to, to avoid it or to make it through successfully. Uh, I pray each person would recognize that that's the case and that we would start with you. Start with you, God. We, uh, if there's anyone in the room this morning who is struggling with uh, something, temptation in some cap- capacity that you would um, cut right through it and that you would let this message really uh, apply and, 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 and specifically speak to them. Convict us, Holy Spirit. Uh, do not let the voice of the spirit of man, uh, controlled by Satan and, and, and those influences, to be the, the voice that rings loudest. But no, God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to, to, like, to, to scream in our ears with love, you know, like, just, just to, to make it so abundantly clear what you're calling us to, what you're saying to us, and that we would, we would choose you um, in, this, in this dark time that we live in. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this series overall. God, I pray that it would change the way that we think about prayer, um, who you are and the posture of coming to you and who we're talking to and asking for your will and all of those things. God, it's all wrapped up in it with, when it starts with you. I pray that our lives would be oriented to you in every, every step, every day. We would begin by just by adjusting ourselves toward you and let everything flow from that. I pray now for our conversation that it would be uh, honoring to you and that we would be encouraged by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.